Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 563. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers. And to the farms that grow those blooms, it's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., Supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. And thank you to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches. A popular peony bouquet by mail program and their Spread the Hope campaign where customers purchase 10 tulip stems for essential workers and others in their community. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. Well, the fifth Slow Flower Summit is coming right up, and everyone involved is getting very excited to convene in New York's Westchester County for three creatively informative and inspiring days centered around local flowers, sustainability, and community. Those dates are June 26th through 28th. Today, I want to share two back-to-back interviews with Slow Flowers members in New York's Lower Hudson Valley and in Brooklyn, both of whom are hosting bonus events built around the Slow Flowers Summit. You'll meet Sylvia Lukash of Cape Lily Floral and Molly Culver of Molly Oliver Flowers. They're both past guests of this podcast. Here's the scoop. Our conference theme is Flowers as Artist Muse. And on day three of the summit, our attendees will enjoy an immersive experience at Stone Barn Center's Arts and Ecology Lab. According to Sylvia, after our fantastic final day, the party isn't over. If that's not enough fun, Molly Culver has curated a fantastic New York City Flower District tour on the following day, Wednesday, June 29th. Learn more as you join my conversations with both women today. First, on Tuesday evening, June 28th, Sylvia and several of the creatives of Makers Central in Terrytown, New York, will host a studio tour and cocktail party in their shared artisan workspace. It's an exclusive opportunity for summit guests only. During the Slow Flowers Summit Arts and Ecology Lab programming, attendees will meet Connor Magin, a ceramic artist and owner of Connor Magin Studio, and paper maker Natalia Woodward of Bat Flower Press. Sylvia Lukash will also be there to assist Blue Hill Restaurant Operations Manager and floral designer Philippe Guz in his demonstration. Sylvia generously cooked up this Maker's Central tour and after party, and I'm so looking forward to attending and learning more about how her floral studio fits into a larger Maker's space with so many different creative media. Second, you'll hear my conversation with Molly Culver of Brooklyn-based Molly Oliver Flowers, who will share a preview of her post-summit program, a New York City Flower District walking tour, followed by lunch and a studio visit to Molly Oliver Flowers Studio Space in Brooklyn. Let's jump right in and hear from both Sylvia and Molly, as I mentioned in back-to-back conversations. I know you'll find them inspiring and informative, and I look forward to seeing you at the Slow Flowers Summit. Hey, everybody, it's Deborah Prinzing with the Slow Flowers Show. We have a really cool uh, visit today to meet one of our members, Sylvia Lukash of Cape Lily. Hi, Sylvia. Hi, Deborah. Hi, everyone. This was kind of came together at the last minute. Sylvia is based in, she was in Harlem and New York, but now she's in Tarrytown, New York. And that is yeah. basically where we're co- coming for the Slow Flowers Summit. So, uh, I uh, we have so many things to talk about, but first of all, show us 
Maker Central, which is the home to your studio now. And uh, yes. tell us a little bit about this wonderful place. So I'm here in Tarrytown, um, just outside our studio. It's a shared space for makers. I'm going to go inside. Um, I'm not sure how much you can see, but I share the space with, I think there are eight different small businesses in here from um, one of our founders, Connor, who's a ceramicist. He was actually looking for a space to work out of and found this um, used to be like a mechanics garage that was much bigger than he could use by himself. Um, and they provided some support to kind of get it set up to share it with other small businesses, makers in particular. So there's a carpenter, um, a letter press studio, uh, myself and Michelle Edgemont, another florist who share our little space. Um, we have a have pivot concrete who make um, kind of home goods and vases and things like that out of cement. Um, we have a knife maker, a carpentry team. And yeah, there's just always something happening in here. We even have behind me, this is um, a business called the Hudson Oven who have like a mail, a bread mailbox here. So you can have a subscription to collect your sourdough once a week. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's basically like Brook, Brooklyn has moved to the suburbs. But Brooklyn has anyway. moved to lower Hudson Valley, right? Yes. <laughs> that is amazing. It's so yeah. good. Connor. Yeah, hi. We want to meet hey. Connor. Hello there. Hey, how are you guys? We're great. And the Slow Flower Summit is very excited that you're going to be one of the featured artists on our yeah, day. I'm very excited as well. Yeah, on our day three floral immersion. Um, tell us what your relationship is with Stone Barns. And, and as a ceramic artist, what, what do you, uh, it sounds like you've got a lot of things you're doing for Blue Hill Restaurant as well. Yeah, um, I've been working with them for, I guess, the past four years or so. Um, I used to be a cook myself, and then through knowing a bunch of the cooks there and people there, um, when I started my business making ceramic dinnerware, I started working with them uh, pretty frequently. So um, I pretty much always have some sort of a project going on working with them, making custom-designed plateware for the restaurant. And then over the pandemic, actually, I worked very closely with Philippe, who's their operations manager and kind of in control, in control of the front of house. And uh, we designed a whole bunch of these flower vases so that they could have a, an avenue to sell flowers from a lot of the local um, flower farmers that didn't really have access to customers during the pandemic. So actually behind me, there's a few of the, the pieces that we had made for oh these flower goodness. boxes. Um, oh, that's one unit? So, yeah, this is one unit. We made, I think we made about 100, 100 different ones of these, all slightly different. They're all custom made. So we designed these um, in collaboration with a florist out of Irvington and Philippe. Um, and then we're doing a bunch of other ones for Philippe for the floral installation for the Slow Flower Summit that are over here. Oh, wow. We're getting a sneak peek, Connor. I didn't know Sylvia was going to make this happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, some of these kind of funkier, different things. So trying to have something that has a little bit of a natural feel to it, but it's simple enough so that kind of the flowers that are in there are really what's shining. Um, but yeah. Is those, awesome. now th those pieces you've just shown me, I'm just assuming those are all hand built. Is that correct? Or were some of them on the wheel? Those are, they're done with an extruder. So I'll extrude things out um, of this die and it shoots them out and then I'll manipulate them afterwards. So wow. um, at the Slow Flower Summit, I'll be doing, um, I will be bringing a wheel. So I also do a lot of wheel thrown pieces uh, oh like these goodness. guys. So I'll be bringing a wheel to kind of show that whole process. Um, I find that's kind of the most visually interesting um thing for sure so i love it and one one final thing uh well two maybe one is we're actually going to eat our meal at blue hill restaurant on your plateware yeah yeah a lot of it so they work with a lot of different artists um but a, a good portion of what they have is um pieces that i've made for them that's great. That's awesome. Um, I want to bring Sylvia back over next to you so we can see her. And I want the two of you to talk a little bit about the, um, the, the special event that Maker Central, your, your studio space, is going to host for Slow Flowers uh, members as sort of an after party. I, this came together so 
you're so generous to come up with this, and I, I just want to let people know about it. So, um, who's who's the who cooked this up? Was that you, Sylvia? I think it was my <laughs> idea, but we like parties here. Um, at the end of every month, we throw a Sunday supper, which is open to the public. Mm-hmm. So, in my version, you would have just come, and I would have like gone to the bottle store and bought a few bottles of wine, and that would be it. But then, mm-hmm. if Connor gets involved. <laughs> becomes a whole amazing thing. (laughs) Okay, I'm trying to minimize myself on the screen so I can see you both side by side. So um, this is, you're already kind of in that that, um, kind of ritual of hosting dinners. Are they for your customers or people in the community? How does that happen? So we we sell tickets and do these dinners. Um, Kind of the whole impetus around this space was creating a space for makers who create functional items, mostly geared towards the hospitality industry. Um, So making, whether it be tables or cutting boards or menus or floral installations or plateware, it's all kind of geared around a table or hospitality in general. Um, And pretty much everybody who works out of the space has worked somewhere in or around the hospitality industry. So it only felt natural to kind of use everything that we have to set one big long table and bring people in and kind of the idea being sit around a table with a bunch of strangers and break bread. So wow. it kind of fit naturally to say, hey, let's set up a thing and have everybody from the summit come down here. We'll make some cocktails, um, some glasses of wine and kind of just mingle around and be in this creative space so we can kind of share ideas and get some things flowing. So. Oh, that's wonderful. For the dinners then, Sylvia, are you and Michelle doing the, the, the floral pieces every every month? Yeah, it, um, we take turns depending on our availability. And if neither of us are here, then surprisingly, Connor and Stetson, the other co-founder of Makers, are very talented florists as well. So, <laughs> oh, I love that. And just use whatever seasonal. So it's always beautiful, no matter who it is. Let but me yeah, put the... we try and do something more special. Like for one, Connor mm-hmm. built me this wooden frame that we had at the end of the table. So it would look like you were in someone's home with a painting as the backdrop. And we did all marigolds, I think, in July or August, and then all dahlias from um, Stars of the Meadow the following month, just like pack that frame full of those. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I mean, you said it's a mechanic space, so you had to try to make it feel intimate, even though there's sort of large beams in the ceilings and the garage door and all. Let me yeah. pop up. Let me pop up the invite on the screen just so we can uh, share it with people. And um, it's uh, a, we. The link has gone out to um, to our attendees, but basically we just need people to register here because it's a limited um, number uh, of of spaces. I think almost everybody who decides they can stay after the summit ends on day two or day three, which would be as it says on here, June 28th, it'll, the summit ends like, like in the mid afternoon and you're going to host this from six to seven thirty afterwards. So, um, I hope people take advantage of this. This is wonderful. Yeah, I hope so. And we're right in town. So if people want to come grab a drink and then head out to get some dinner next door, that's mm-hmm. the way it's mm-hmm. the rest that sounds, that sounds great. And it's, I love that it's called meet the makers because there are so many, um, talented, um, artists, artisans and makers who are in, in just in your one facility that it, it's going to sort of be a natural flow from what we do in the afternoon at the summit because yeah. one of your other one of your other fellow makers is also uh presenting um at the at the uh arts and ecology lab as well yeah, um press she's actually here today too oh that's wonderful okay everyone's been invited so just a first come, first serve. Get your reservation in. I will see you there. I'm very excited. I'm not taking off right after the summit, so I better get myself registered. Uh, Sylvia, you're going to give us a little bit of a tour over to your space okay. now, right? Yes. Thanks, Connor. Okay. Yeah, Thank you, Connor. I look forward uh, to seeing you. Okay. Thanks. That's great. I'm going to leave get a feel for the space. Yeah, I'm going to leave the screen large so that people can see um, the full horizontal. Okay. Yeah, so you can see it, it was originally one space and it's just been divided. Kind of has this full front section. Um, and then there's a little ramp as we go up here. To the left, we have the um, the kitchen through that door behind me. Um, a beautiful kitchen. Everyone does a lot of cooking. As Connor said, 
most people come from like hospitality backgrounds, so do a lot of shared meals. Um, this is Natalia behind me. I won't disturb her now, but you can but see some of the artwork we'll, that she creates from her paper. Yes, we'll see her at the summit. I'm so excited. Yeah. And her printing press. Um, and then behind me, we have a carpenter space, knife making and pivot concrete. Um, and then this is the space that I share with Michelle. I'll do oh. that like obvious caveat that it's a Monday and we had events in the weekend, so it's a mess, but honestly, it's always a bit of a mess. <laughs> um, yeah, everyone so, watching under, understands what Mondays are like for flower farmers and floral designers, especially. Yeah, so you should have so, seen it an hour ago. Um, <laughs> so what's your, what's, your square, what's your square footage then? Um, I would say maybe 350, 400 square feet. Wow. It's like a big square. It's pretty tight. You make tight. the most of it, yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, we don't have a lot of wall space, which is challenging also. Um, we, This is where Connor used to mix his um, clay, but we converted it into a cooler with a cool bot. See, so we have a lot of flowers left over from the weekend. Um, That's amazing. So we can pack in a lot of flowers, but often, you know, not, not enough if we both have events. Um, yeah, that cool bot. Yeah, we actually, we don't have a window to duct it out, so it kind of ducts out to the back and <laughs> the whole thing. Um, oh, I love it. And yeah, it's like a big box. We have work tables, and then if we're really, really busy, we spill out into the shared space. People are really generous about, um, you know, allowing us to use more of the space if we need to. It sounds like you're all really um, supportive of each other's work, and this is a 24-7 space because artists, keep weird hours and florists yeah. keep weird hours. So it seems like it, it, you just make it work. Yeah, I think that's key. Obviously, like tonight we have what we call family meal, um, which is like a monthly check-in. And it is kind of like a family because we are supportive in that sense. But also in a family, you have to make sure you're considerate of other people and the space and the noise. You can imagine there's a lot of a lot of dust, a lot of noise here. So I think communication is key. So we can mm. all successful and help each other out as much as possible but I really I appreciate that a lot about the people here well uh Sylvia I know that um you had a journey to get to this space you had had you know you relocated when you started I don't know exactly why but you started having children and you grew your family and maybe why you had to get out either? of the city <laughs> <laughs> um so it's been a couple what three or four years since you've been out of New York yeah, it's, it'll be three, three and a half years now. So we moved one year before the pandemic. Um, and I was out of my basement when we first moved, which was a nightmare, not sustainable. Um, and then there was a beautiful building um, that I still actually, I belong to like an office co-working space out of there. That's a lovely community of, you know, just like freelance workers, people um, during the pandemic looking for somewhere to work. Um, and there are a lot of studio spaces in that building. Um, and Michelle and I were looking at the same time. We knew each other a little bit and had some freelance um, florists that had worked for both of us in common. Um, and we took a lease in that beautiful building on the river um, in no November 2019. So just before COVID hit, yeah. and a three-year lease. <laughs> and oh a few months later, just like staring at each other um, in this. That was like a thousand square feet, actually. Um, so, you know, from my, my perspective, I would have had to have grown into that space. It was kind of a leap of faith. And then obviously it was just a disaster. So it took us about a year to get out of that lease and find a space here. Um, but I have to say we're very happy to have moved together. And I think... It's interesting to share a space as two florists who we basically have the same business model. We're both doing weddings and events We're in the same town um, outside of New York, same target audience. Um, obviously, we have key differentiators like Michelle does a lot of end-to-end um, -end design. You know, if you want a balloon wall, she'll do that. I won't. Um, but, yeah, it just it makes so much sense to mm. share the same resources. Like, we don't need to own two hoppers and two brooms, two, you know, 15-foot ladders, whatever, all these things. Um, and we use each other's old flowers all the time. 
it's just wow. a lot of books. But it's, it makes a lot of sense. And it also, you're so enriched by this larger community of other makers and artists um, that you couldn't have predicted until you made the leap of faith to, to downsize, really. Yeah, and I think that was something, it was clear to us that makers um, operate as a community and that was important to them to make sure that we were the right fits and would also kind of embrace that mentality. Um, and so that has worked well, but yeah, I just kind of, I wish this situation for everyone because I'm not someone who likes working alone. And as a florist, it can be a bit of a lonely um, industry mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I, I hope that kind of all over the country, this model of shared space for makers, we already have it for, you know, corporate type jobs. Um, right, right. Because it really does make sense. Wow. Well, you had this quiet period when all your weddings and events were postponed and you used it, it seems to me, to do something really creative and that is to launch a custom wallpaper line. I don't know much about it, but I'm gaga over the photos. Um, can you share a little bit about how that all came together? And I'll try to pull up the photos uh, while we're talking uh, from your website. Um, it's, it's called the Cape Lily collection, right? Or how do you describe it? Well, I'm just calling it Cape Lily Home. It's, it's only wallpaper now. Um, and on the website, you'll find the first two designs. I have two more kind of ready to add to that. But the first collection um, this year is called Afro Botanical, which I think I say in the description is a made up word, but it's kind of, it's what I've loved from the beginning for my um, floral business and my branding and everything. And it's basically a mix of all my favorite South African flowers where I'm from um, and what's local and seasonal um, and the best of kind of the cutting garden varieties. So the the next two designs that will drop um, feature dahlias um, and a mix of proteas, blushing bride, dahlias, amaryllis. Um, so I've tried to really stick to things from South Africa that I feel are unusual um, and not commonly seen, but mm. also the texture. So, so um, this, one, this, this is the blushing bride and, and did you, is it from your photography or... Yeah, so I worked with a photography team, also local, um, who were actually my neighbors in our previous studio space. Um, and they photographed the images for me, as well as um, another photography friend who I'd worked with in the past. I've been photographing these blushing brides for quite some time, you know, the first time when I started this business, probably six years ago. So I blended those photographs and worked with a graphic design and wallpaper um, printing company to create the pattern. Um, oh, wow. Protea, you see, those are actually dried proteas, which is why the colors that kind of beigey. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm so, I'm just enthralled by these. These are gorgeous. Yeah, they really are beautiful. I think the king protea, I can actually show you an in-person sample here, but um, what you don't see on the screen is obviously the texture. So the, this is the king protea in real life on grass cloth. Oh, um, wow. And you can just see... Like the texture is so beautiful. Oh my goodness. So these are, uh, they're like canvases. They're like art canvases, but you've made them yeah. in the size that uh, could be applied to the wall. Yeah, it's, it is kind of traditional wallpaper in the sense that it comes in standard widths and you can pick your ceiling height. Um, and there is a repeat, so you can wrap it all around a room. Or the Blushing Bride is um, a little bit different in the sense that it's a really large-scale mural. So I would see people using that as a feature wall, probably. Mm. Like in a nursery, I would do one big wall. I mean, you could do the whole room, but um, the scale is really large. I'll just pull that one up so you can see the yeah. scale. So it would be like a wonderful accent wall in a bedroom or in a in a dining yeah. room or a living room. Um, so is that paper a different size? Um, it's the scale is different, and the, oh, the, got it. Like this is, yeah, and woven fiber. So this is actually this is the width. So it's really it's fifty four inches wide, which is wider than your traditional like twenty seven. Right, which is why it's so great for a, a large wall. Oh, it's breathtaking! Oh my god, what inspired? I mean, I know your brand is Cape Lily. That's you know, yeah. South Africa, uh, Finboss is the word, right? You've taught me that. Yeah. Fin yeah. Am I saying it right? 
Fanbos. Fanbos. Yeah. And that's the, the flora of South Africa, right? Yeah, it's the uh, the biome that's unique to the Cape Floral Kingdom in and around Cape Town. It's, um, quite a, a small area with a lot of um, floral diversity. Um, and the, you know, the species that are most commonly known are the protea. Blushing bright is actually a protea, technically. Things like leucodendron, um, pincushions, um, a lot of restios, reeds are also part of the Fainbos family. Um, and they really celebrate it in South Africa. Um, and obviously, here they see more as tropicals, ironically, sometimes because it's not a tropical region. Um, but it came about, I mean, I was just so bored, not even bored during COVID. I was very busy looking after my then 14-month-old daughter. Um, there was no work in sight. I was stressed about um, having to pay this rent in my studio and really, you know, not being someone who likes to sit around just thinking like, how, what am I going to do? How am I going to make money? I also had the travel business or so the botanical journeys I was doing to South Africa and obviously travel wasn't happening. Um so I just started trying to decorate our house because we'd moved there recently and, you know, things weren't really in place. Um, and I wanted some wallpaper up the staircase and started looking. I didn't really want to get flowers because, you know, we already have a lot of flowers in our lives. But I would pause every time I saw a floral wallpaper. And I just started noticing that I didn't, if I were to choose the floral wallpaper, I wouldn't actually be able to find one that I liked personally, mainly because they were all very dark black backgrounds. And that's just not really our style. Mm-hmm. So then I started thinking, how hard could this be? <laughs> Any capable woman and, and, and talented artist. I love it. You, I um, love and it. it was just a lot harder than I thought. Um, <laughs> okay. The conclusion. Yeah. Did you say it, it was harder than you thought? Oh, much. Um, oh, okay. And looking back, I, I don't know exactly why that is, but I think um, – Creating a pattern is a real art and there's a lot of back and forth that goes, that occurred between myself and the graphic design team. I think I drove them nuts, you know, like, could you move that stem like two inches to the left? Could you cut it shorter? Like swivel it, different direct, like all the different scales. So if I were to do it again, I'd probably be a lot more decisive, but Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just a very particular industry with standards and norms that if you're not part of that world, like I was completely clueless. So so have you, oh, you've got these two pieces now. You said you're going to add additional, um, I guess, designs to the the collection. Did you, did you, did you say what you, what flowers you're going to use for those? I I might've been too enthralled with the website to pay attention to what you said. Yeah. So the ones you've seen are quite neutral colors and very light pinks. The, the photographs were not kind of edited in any way. I haven't changed any of the colors. I'm not going to do colorways because I want it to be very natural. Um, And the next two designs are um, one is kind of pinkish dahlias. It's quite much brighter colors just because those were the colors of the flowers um and that's kind of a separate dahlia print and then the other one is a mix of the things you've seen the protea as well as um amaryllis and the and the dahlias so that one is very busy and bright and it feels kind of tropical um Mm. kind of a happy accident it wasn't what i imagined at all but when i saw everything come together i think it's quite fun Mm. Sylvia, congratulations. How are you how are you getting this out into the marketplace? Are you gonna start doing like home interior, you know, trade shows or I mean, how do you get people to to get hooked on these? Very good question. Um I am learning as I go. So I'm trying to meet as many industry people, um, interior designers, etc. But I think my route to market is definitely um through the trade or interior designers. I am selling direct um, to consumer on my website. That was kind of the launch that took place over the weekend and we'll see how that goes. Um, But I'm going to try and get into showrooms as a next step. I think trade shows, you know, maybe in future, but that's very, it's a big undertaking. It's very costly, but my next step, once I have a couple, I think I probably need like a collection of at least six to have a little capsule collection is to take it to the showrooms and just try and get more, get it on walls, basically anyone's walls, um, get some attention around it and um, get it stocked. Uh, Well, I just, I'm sitting here thinking about how you're not afraid of research 
and figuring it out. Because you started the whole travel division of Cape Lily kind of the same way. Like, I'm going to start leading right. tours. I'm going to lead botanical tours. And uh, how hard can it be? And you just did it. Yeah. And I think there's, um, you know, there are pros and cons to my way of going about things. And um, I think as a personality, I get bored quite easily um, and like doing different things. So that's great. But I think the challenge is um, all these different parts of my business are very different industries. And, you know, it probably would be better just to focus on one thing and put all my energy into one thing. But that's just not really my, my nature, I well, guess. Well, it's like flower, flowers and floral design is somewhat of a thread through all of it. Yeah. But um, then you're yeah. depart- departing into the travel and tourism uh, yeah. industry and then the home decor industry and then weddings and events. So it's it's all good. I, I can see exactly how you got yourself in this mess. But because you're in <laughs> the happy mess. You're insatiably curious. So, yeah. yeah well, um, before I let you go, you said you just unveiled the wallpaper. And I know that, was it part of the Leaf um, Flower Show in New York that you did that? Yeah. So I timed it to coincide with the Leaf Flower Festival. Um, it's the second year um, New York City has hosted this flower festival um, over a, a full weekend in the meatpacking district um, with hundreds of florists doing different installations, downtown decorating storefronts in a similar way that you have the kind of Chelsea flower show being celebrated in Chelsea in London. Um, and I had a market stall where I sold all South African flowers. Um, I did an installation for Soho House. So there, there was a lot of activity over the weekend and I was trying to take advantage of kind of the press and interest around it to launch the wallpaper. So um, for my design installation, I had um, like a, a, a matrix, let's call it um, a plywood matrix with four sides um, with uh, three different wallpaper prints on the one I referred to, kind of the tropical one also just printed on vinyl as a marker. Got it. Mm-hmm. And then I used the same flowers, um, kind of overlaid them on top of the wallpaper. So for the protea one, I had the dried proteas and lots of dried things. For the blushing bride, I had some dried and a lot of blushing bride. So it was a really cool three-dimensional effect, and it was really well-received. Which is- it was like your own art in bloom, where you had the canvas and then the, the live, fresh floral arrangement in, inspired by that work of art. You kind of just yeah. reverse-engineered it. Exactly. Yeah. Flowers on flowers. Congratulations. I can't believe you even had time to talk to me today. I'm so grateful. Um, When we air this uh, conversation on Friday, uh, which will be the the 17th, I'll uh, maybe have some photos from you that I can edit in and share a little bit from the leaf exhibition, because I know it's just, you probably haven't even gone through your photos yet and edited them, but I'd love yeah. to share them. Well, there'll be no editing, but uh, <laughs> give them <what> I have. <laughs> it's okay. I'm I'm just like to I I, I watched a little bit over uh, Instagram on the weekend, and I was just thrilled to see this wallpaper uh, idea come to life. And I'm sure you had a lot of inquiries about it too. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interest. Um, I think what I've learned in all parts of my business is uh, marketing is a long, slow journey. Um, from awareness to someone clicking purchase, especially when um, a product is kind of more high value is a very Mm -hmm. long road. Um, But I'm curious to see where this leads. Yeah. That's wonderful. Sylvia, thank you so much. We'll see you at the Slow Flowers Summit on Sunday at Red uh, Red Barm at Maple Grove. I know you're going to be an attendee. And then I heard through the grapevine that you're going to assist uh, Philippe Guz on Tuesday when he's uh, showcasing the flowers for Blue Hill Restaurant. So I don't know how that came about, but that sounds really great. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be there as much as I can. And I really look forward to seeing everyone. Oh, great. And then we'll all be together at um, whoever can stay and come to Maker Central for this wonderful Slow Flowers reception. It's so exciting. And I appreciate you putting that together. Anything else? It'll be really fun. (laughs) Yeah. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, I think I think that's it. Um, just really excited to have the Slow Flower Summit coming to our backyard. Um, and yeah, I know it's a really busy time for florists this time of year. 
and encourage everyone to to take it easy, ask for help and stay sane. <laughs> okay, my dear. Thanks so much. Thank you for your time and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye, Deborah. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Hi there, everybody. Uh, this is Deborah Prinzing of the Slow Flower Show, and we've got some special visual eye candy for you today. I want to introduce my good friend, Molly Culver of Molly Oliver Flowers in Brooklyn. Hi, Molly. Hi, Deborah. Hey, we're going to see each other in person in two weeks at the Slow Flower Summit. But first, I, I just have to acknowledge you've been such a great partner in Slow Flowers. You're one of our earliest members early guest on the podcast. And last year you were a featured speaker at the Slow Flowers Summit in 2021. So all of those are good things. Yes. We've known each other for so long and I've just always been such a huge admirer and so grateful for everything you do to pull flowers, you know, floral, florists and farmers together. So, and last year was a lot of fun. I can't wait to reconvene soon. Yes, it was a lot of fun. And actually, that was kind of just as digress, that farmer florist connection was really a big part of your presentation uh, because you talked about how sustainable floristry is influenced by flower farming. So mm -hmm. uh, you're deep into your relationship with your flower farmers. And I was just acknowledging before we started recording that Molly Oliver Flowers is in year three of this really fun, maybe started because of COVID, but evolved into something really powerful, seasonal flower project. Can you just talk a little bit about it? And I'll pop up the, the um, page from your website so people can see how it's structured. Um, what, what got you started on this? Definitely, you know, the, the void that COVID created in terms of events. Um, you know, in March of 2020, we had about 40 events on the calendar. And within a week or two, those were all postponed. Um, and so, Within a few weeks, I was sort of like coming down from the initial shock of the pandemic and thinking about, oh, my gosh, you know, all these farmers I typically work with who have planted out fields and have greenhouses full of plugs and flowers for the coming event season are not going to have their usual outlets and clients. Um, and so I knew there were a lot of flowers out there and. Certainly, uh, I was thinking a lot about so many New Yorkers just cooped up inside. And, you know, it was during the lockdown phase. Um, people really weren't going outside much. And when you live in a super small apartment in New York City, one of the things that gets you through is like access to the outdoors and access to the parks and all of that. And so um, sort of a back burner idea of, of bringing locally farmed flowers to a wider audience was was there and I hadn't yet been able to to do anything with that just being so busy with events and so just called up farmers asked them if they would be interested in wholesaling um, large amounts of flowers each week and they were definitely game um, and so we launched an e-commerce website basically overnight mm -hmm. and there was a huge response of people just really eager to have mm -hmm. that beauty and piece of nature in their house. And so we started doing seasonal flower subscriptions, essentially. And, you know, la the first year we did, uh, I think, one size and every single week, and we were delivering it all ourselves, like door to door, um, <laughs> which, you know, quickly we realized that wasn't sustainable for the long run. But um, we now have evolved to offering uh pickup and delivery. We have about 20 partners around New York City that service pickup sites, like a traditional CSA. And I work with around 10 to 20 farmers who supply mm. for the project. Mm. So people get a different seasonal flower every week and um, they get a newsletter with information about that flower and, you know, expected base life and tips and tricks and yeah. I, I, for some reason, I'm a subscriber to that newsletter or one of your newsletters. And I just think it's really, you're, you're, it's so enriching and you take a lot of care into customer education, which we've all said is really the secret sauce to get this whole yeah. industry turned around, getting, telling people yeah. about the flower, who grew it, 
how they need to care for it and why you love it. I've, that's so sweet. Um, show us what you're working, what you're uh, pa- sending out this week. And um, I think there's some paper on your table that keeps rattling when you put your hands down. So oh, maybe so you could, that's okay. I'm just going to ask you to move that. We're, we're doing scoop scabiosa this week. Oh, that color um, is crazy. From Hickory Grove Gardens. They're in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. So a little bit like northwest of Philly. Oh, geez. And this, sorry, I have to figure out. Yeah, Boy, that color is good. Just put it right in front of your face. <laughs> yeah, right? It's just in front of your face. There you go. <laughs> That's stunning. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, let's. Also got this. Is, is this. Now, how will these go out? Will these go out in a single uh, composed uh, wrap or. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're working on coming up with a recipe for how many stems of each color each member will get. And then we will uh, process them a little bit and package them in our own packaging. Just brown paper sleeves, nothing fancy. Um, That's sort of the appeal was like trying to be an alternative to, you know, things that are overpackaged, Mm -hmm. essentially always plastic wrap. Things that me as a consumer, whenever I'm gifted flowers, I'm like, oh, you know, like this is such a drag. A lot of this like waste that comes along with this. Sure. Oh, I agree. I, really but that's again it. part of the education. You're kind of letting people know that's part of your decision making, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think people are they're just we're sort of meeting people in the moment. I was talking to another florist about this in terms of events. You know, I think people are looking for more environmentally friendly alternatives when it comes to event design and certainly also just retail bouquets. So, you know, meeting uh, people where they're, where they're at, where they're thinking. Yeah. yeah. So the, is this one of the most popular ones? 12 bouquets biweekly, $50 per week. Yeah. So what a bargain. I mean. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, 12 bouquets is popular. I think our, honestly, our biggest seller was full season this year. Mm-hmm. I did a, like a deep discount in December. Um, so people were able to get this full season 40 weeks for as little as $40 a week. Um, okay, I'm trying to find that. I guess I guess it's kind of a countdown now you have it as the remaining season, right? Right. Yeah, so yeah. 45 a week for people that invest for the remainder of the season. If they somehow f- miss spring, they can jump in and, and participate for, yeah. for the oh, summer. Yes. Yeah, we're not wow. doing it seasonally anymore. We're just offering quantities of bouquets. So you can buy four, eight, 12 at a time, or you can just go for the whole season. And you can do it weekly or biweekly. So, uh, so, so creative. And um, you have deployed um, uh, designers to, or your, your studio des- designers to help you pull this together. And then do you have yeah, delivery people right. or uh, do you have mm-hmm. a crew of delivery people? Yeah, we have three delivery, all ladies uh, right now. Um, and they, they do the deliveries all around, mostly Brooklyn and Manhattan, a little mm-hmm. bit of Long Island City, Queens. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I also have a driver that, um, goes out to get all the farm product on Mondays now. Wow. It's a, there's a lot behind a simple bouquet of anemones that we're seeing on the, on yes. the screen. <laughs> also, is. because you've, I, I, I've been, was so interested when you started announcing like this coffee shop, this restaurant, like you have all these sort of other merchants who are willing to be a pickup site. Are you still doing that? Yeah. Yeah. We have at the moment, I think 17 locations around the city that serve as pickup locations. Um, and those were mostly like cold calls that I made at the end mm-hmm. of um, mm-hmm. 2020 as I was looking ahead <laughs> at 21. Like we can't do this direct door to door thing anymore. It's <laughs> not sustainable or, you know, cost effective for anyone. Um, but at that well, time, we were still sort of in the middle of the pandemic, you know, like the second wave or whatever. And I think a lot of small shops, a lot of small businesses, especially coffee shops, were like looking for ways to utilize their space. So even if they were just having an, a window for people to pick up, um, a lot of local small restaurants and cafes in New York became almost like commissaries, like small mm-hmm. stores, um, so that they could entice people to come their way for more, more things. Um, when they couldn't have service. So I think that was part of the appeal of, yeah, like we'll host your flower CSA and maybe we'll get a few more people in the door. Right. Right. Or people are picking up, uh, 
provisions uh, that maybe they would have normally. It wasn't wouldn't I, I? We had that in Seattle too, like the London Plain. They started offering all kinds of baked breads and a soup by the court, you know, and things that that people could um, not dine in but take home. And they added flowers to to that offering. So yeah. why not add flowers, um, especially these beautiful Molly Oliver flowers, to to your latte? So. I love it. Um, so Molly, that is uh, going on right now. And I want to segue to the next thing we're going to talk about, which is um, the special program you're putting together for people attending the Slow Flower Summit. And I guess, you know, if someone is local in the tri-state area of New York and they hear about this, they could sign up too. They don't have to be an attendee of the summit, do they? No, you know, I, I've, I haven't quite advertised publicly yet, and I will. Um, I was waiting, to, you know, wanting to give enough space for people who find out through your newsletters. Um, but I think we're getting to that point where we'll advertise it. Um, but yeah, it's open to anybody. Um, Great. Well, I'll put this up on the screen. What What's behind this is that you and I have been talking for over a year about how to add a tour component before or after the Slow Flower Summit. And the Slow Flower Summit location where the the three days are is kind of Westchester County, which is about, what, like 45 minutes outside of New York? Um, Depending on where you're traveling from. Yeah. yeah. And I, I had originally thought, oh, we'll do a farm tour up in Hudson Valley. But that is a logistical challenge for uh, people who are flying in. Um, a lot of the farmers I talked with were, had other com- commitments. And you said, Deb, why don't I do a New York City flower walking tour. And I was, I'm like, yeah, why not? So um, (laughs) let's come to Molly Oliver Flowers backyard. I'm going to put that up on the screen and maybe you can talk a little bit about how you designed it. And is this the day that this is taking place is Wednesday, June 29th, which is the day after we finish up with the summit. So it shouldn't be hard for people to get down to the city that went Tuesday night or Wednesday morning to join you. Yeah, hopefully. So yeah, what I organized is to do a walking tour of the 28th street, New York city flower district, the wholesale flower district. Um, and so awesome. Look at that. We're going to meet <laughs> yeah, there it is on the left. We're going to meet um, at 1130. So yeah, hopefully that would give some time for people who are staying upstate to come down. Oh, wait, um, wait, it's 10 to 11.30, the morning. 10 to 11.30, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. That's okay. Um, that might make it a bit of an early morning for some people. But I mean, people can plan. They're adults. We're not going to coordinate their travel. But I guess, yeah. I mean, think of all and the... again, uh, like I was up at five and I think a lot of farmers and florists generally are up at... I was just going to say, how many... Days of your how many days of your life were you down at this district at you know five or six a.m. getting flowers? It's like a regular. That's when yeah. it's most crowded, right? Yeah, yeah. So we'll meet at ten, the the very leisurely hour of ten o'clock, and and that is almost on purpose because that way we can sort of uh, the first rush, like all the florists will not be there, and the wholesalers will have a little bit more time and space to give us. Um, and there's a few shops in particular that I'm going to take the group um, that specialize in forging relationships with local farmers. Um, one is a wholesaler of foliage. One is a wholesaler of um, mostly flowers, cut flowers. And one is sort of a combo foliage and flowers. And the third one, he also sources a lot from California domestically. So mm. um yeah, so I'm excited to introduce people, florists, to those three particular wholesalers, but I think we'll still have time to sort of take our time in between, and you can certainly poke your head into some of the other really interesting wholesale shops that are maybe doing tropicals or just all the amazing international product that you can see there. Um, oh, I know it's wonderful. a lot of florists around the country even have wholesale accounts with some of the wholesalers on 28th Street because... Like Mayesh, it's sort of the other hub for a lot of uh, just bulk volume of of wholesale yeah. I have such a good memory of 28th Street Flower District. I'm going to walk down memory lane here. I think I told you this story, Molly. I went to FIT uh, when I was a senior in college, which right. is the fa- right. fashion, fashion Institute of Technology 
Fashion Institute of Technology, basically across the street. It's on 28th between 7th and 8th. And the flower district is between 6th and 7th. So I was homesick. It was like fall. I'd been in New York for, I don't know, three or four months. And I walked through that district and there were these giant boxes of Oregon grown holly that had been brought in to sell for, I guess, Christmas decorations or holiday decorations. And I just went up to this guy and I said, see that holly? I'm from Oregon. And we have some in our yard. And he's like, yeah, right, lady. You know, it's like <laughs> patted me on the head. But sure. but but it's just like this conglomeration of botanicals from all around the world. I think you and your intentionality with the relationships you've forged with these wholesalers, have you've elevated their awareness of domestic and local sourcing, I, right? I mean, have you seen a change in the, okay. in the yeah. decade you've been doing this? A hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. Back uh, 10 years ago, I have, I have powerful memories of being, first of all, like pretty intimidated by the market. It wasn't clear right away, like how it works. Nobody takes you in and says, here's how this works. Like you kind of have to, that's why people, that's why people need to go on this tour with you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. If only I had had somebody to explain to me like, yes, you can leave flowers on the shelf and now you can walk out of here and go look at other flowers before you pay for them. I didn't know that for like three wow. years. Um, <laughs> You know, and so that's where like not working for another florist comes to bite you. <laughs> I couldn't, but I never, I never did that. So I learned the hard way, hmm. but um, I was always asking, you know, the wholesalers, where did this come from? And then I'd be like, and where did this come from? Where did this come from? And they would just look at me sideways and roll their eyes, you know, but that was sort of my way of starting to learn like, yeah, which wholesalers buy local and when and what things can I come to expect will come locally and at what times. And that's really, as I've taken record of that and note of that over the years, it's really served the backbone of my business and being able to tell customers and clients, like, here's what you can expect. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had the pleasure also of like connecting, even connecting wholesalers with farmers that they hadn't known about before um, wow. or connecting farmers who have surpluses with these wholesalers. Um, wow. That's going to be awesome. And the charge, for, the price for this is $95. And that is for the um, sort of private walking tour led by you for the morning. And you kind of structured this day into two parts. So you can just do that yeah. and you can stay in New York or you can go on to the afternoon, which is separately priced. And I'll put that up too, Molly. That is um, what uh, I'm excited about your lunch and studio tour because we're seeing you in your studio right now. So um, there'll be time for people to get from point A to point B by car ride sharing, right? Yeah, I'm going to organize and, and it's already baked into the price. So I will be calling a couple taxis and people won't have to worry about, you know, splitting cost or whatever like that. Um, and they'll just take a couple, maybe a few taxis to my place about half an hour from the market. Mm -hmm. um, five, 30 minute drive over the Brooklyn. Well, I don't know if we'll take Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> to sell that, but We won't hold you to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then we'll come to my studio and, um, and I can give kind of a simple tour of how the studio is organized um, and the kinds of materials and the kinds of systems that we have in place just to sort of uh, help us in our goal to be as sustainable as possible, facilitate saving product or handling waste in a more sustainable way. But also I'm hoping, you know, we're going to have a delicious lunch that I'm going to have catered by a local Brooklyn chef. Um, and after that, I think I want to facilitate a real like, group discussion about how each of us is approaching sustainability in our different businesses and use that time to kind of trade ideas, but also get into some of the harder questions about some of the products that are on the market right now that people are kind of raving about or checking out things like agrawal, um, floral frogs and ocean pouches, right? There's these different products that, um, I sort of want to in interrogate the sustainability mm -hmm. a little bit mm -hmm. and use the time to brainstorm, um, share what is working and what more we could do to 
reduce reliance on fossil fuels, on plastics, you know, non-renewables. Right. Wow. It sounds like it's going to be so thoughtful and engaging and a real chance that uh, a smaller group can achieve. Uh, when you have 100 people in a room, it's sort of hard to facilitate that, but you're going to keep this group to what, about 15 or 20 people? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Keep it, keep it well, 20. That sounds wonderful. And Matt, and I did, I closed, changed the screen off, but I just want to say that that uh, is an also uh, $95. So together, uh, it's under $200. It sounds like a really phenomenal opportunity to immerse yourself in the life of a New York City florist and, and a mm. sustainable florist. Um, and I know you're in your studio now. Can you give us a little rotation of the camera so we can see oh, what, yes. what's going on? And yeah, everyone's, like, everyone's <laughs> dispersed and on break. Sophie's over there. Oh, good. Um, they deserve a break. They've been working for hours. <laughs> this long table is, do you do workshops here too, Molly? I haven't yet, but I want to, you know, okay. I, we moved into this space May of 2020. So, um, it, we haven't quite, we have still not really gotten to the point where I feel at ease having people in here. Uh, there's not a whole lot of air circulation. So, yeah. um, but, but yes, you will. I will definitely envision doing workshops here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like it'll be completely safe for the uh, studio tour. Um, yeah. We'll people. wear masks. That will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Well, how big is the space? Cause I know you were in a, you were in a shared studio before COVID hit, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was in 300 square feet, um, for like the first 10 years of my business. <laughs> uh, this is, I never saw it, but you described it to me because you even had a, a, like a photographer that you shared it with or something, right? Yeah. I mean, she had another 300 square feet. Oh, okay. I had 300 square feet. Um, this is 800 square feet. Oh my and God. It must feel like luxury now. It does. And also it feels too small now. <laughs> we, yeah, it just, there's a lot of, there's a lot more stuff and there's a lot going on um, now that events are back in full swing. But uh, there is one other florist, Elisa from Rosewood Floral, and she rents um, a small space at the back there. Oh, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah you cool. create a little community. Well, you're asking a lot of this space um, and it's got to be functional for you, um, especially I see all that beautiful cotinus behind you. That must be for something special coming up. Yes, tomorrow we are doing um, a fundraiser at Brooklyn Botanic Garden for uh, the New York Restoration Project, which is actually Bette Midler's nonprofit that was founded to support community gardens. Oh, right. So um, that's crazy. I love it. Yeah, so we're going to do that uh, tomorrow. So if people are watching this, then check out the uh, Instagram feed of uh, Molly Oliver Flowers. You might see how the yeah. how the bucket of cotinus reemerges as something stunning at the Brooklyn Botanical Garden. That's awesome, I was really Molly. I did to find this today. It was we've been hearing it's been hard for people to find smokebush this year, but um, there it mm. was. Oh my gosh! Especially in in bloom like that. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it looks so good. Oh my gosh. Well, Molly, I'm so excited to see you at the Slow Flowers Summit. You're such a leader in our community. And um, thank you for stepping up and just taking the creative energy to put a tour together uh, that is, I know is a, entirely oh, optional. Yeah. yeah. I hope we get some good, some good attendance and, um, you know, that people get like another enriching way to connect with, with what's happening in the Slow yeah. Flowers world. Oh, I think it'll be so fun. The tour I'm really excited about. I know the wholesalers are as well. They're excited to host and share a little bit about the history of the market, which I think is going to be super interesting. And um, and we'll, we'll definitely have a lot of fun. So thank uh, you for helping me to spread the word. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. Well, one more thing I want to mention. I don't even think you know about this. But the first week of August, uh, I saw that you are speaking at the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers oh, yeah. Conference. Yeah. And um, Slow Flowers is sponsoring your presentation. So, what? yeah, they oh, had this, uh, they had this opportunity for, um, you know, sp to sponsor individual talks. So I was like, well, Molly's oh, the girl. We got to yeah. do this. Yeah. That's so nice. So what are you, tell us what you're going to be presenting on. And I'll, when I, sh when I post this uh, in our podcast, I'll, I'll put the link so people can check that out. They asked me to just come and talk about the seasonal flower project, you know, how it works, how I set up the e-commerce, 
which is really exciting to me because they're, you know, I've had glimmers, I've had thoughts of like wanting to, I don't know, like create a training or a workshop or a way to help other florists learn how to work with farmers and facilitate those relationships. And then also how to market this to people yeah. and to set their expert expectations in such a way. Um, and if, and if, if a florist has never, you know, been part of a CSA or managed a CSA, it could be really helpful. So I'm going to be sharing kind of those tactics in the hopes that more florists will be able to support their local regional farmers by taking bulk product. There's so many regional farmers popping up everywhere all the time now. And what I've seen in my local area is that the longer farmers are in it, the more they want to shave off of their grow list and they want to grow more of less. So if they're growing more of less, it makes it easier to do something like a subscription. Um, and because so, the, yeah, quantities, the quantities would support multiple yeah. customers. Correct. Yeah, so, I think that's really a great observation because that's that sounds, at first you're like, what? You're growing more of less? You mean you have less choice? But actually that's how the farmer's going to actually, you're going to see a profit and be more sustainable in their business. Yeah, to find the flowers that really grow well in their microclimate um, and that their community and their market really want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also, you know, when you've got 20, like as in the Connecticut Flower Collective, when you have 20 farmers all growing, you know, queen lime zinnias, and they don't all sell or, you know, it's like people have to figure out how to specialize and kind of find their needs. Such a good point. There's plenty of bounty for everyone if yeah. the farmer realizes just grow what you're good at and what what's going to, you know, be cost effective for you. So, but I, I yeah. love your idea of turning that into a training. Let's talk about that and maybe set it up and uh, we'll okay. sponsor it. Yeah, because it's Great. it's you've done all the work to like crack the code on how to do this because it didn't. I mean, you even told me the first year was sort of a break even year for you just to, you know, yeah, because of yeah, and it's been a process of figuring out, you know, like which varieties really do work for this, like for transport, for all the additional handling that happens, and then obviously just to last um, in the cust- in the customers base and ideally for three to five days. Um, So yeah, it's been a journey. And and also the whole piece of just scheduling like the routing and figuring out routing software. I mean, it's been a whole other, it's been a whole other ballgame, but it's been fun. And yeah, I could definitely see offering something like this to florists who are interested in starting subscription services. I love it. Okay. Well, that is a, that's a teaser for the future. If you're going <laughs> yeah. to, if you're going to the ASCFG, you be sure to uh, check out Molly's presentation. I'm hoping to be there, Molly. So um, I'll be in the back okay, of the room so. going, woot, woot. Uh, but before that, I will see you uh, in um, your backyard in uh, just two weeks. So thank you so much, Molly. This has been such a good You're preview. Welcome. Yeah. And Thanks I'll let you get me. You bet. I'll let you get back to all your to-dos today. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks well, have so a much. good day, Deborah. Okay, hon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. Check out our show notes at slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 563, where you can watch both replay videos of my interviews with Sylvia and Molly. The Meet the Makers party at Makers Central is only open to attendees of the Slow Flowers Summit. There is a sign-up link provided in today's show notes. Molly Culver's New York City Flower District walking tour and lunch and design demonstration at her Brooklyn studio are open to summit attendees and other flower lovers. So if you're in the area, you might want to check it out. The morning and afternoon sessions are separately priced at $95 each and space is limited. You can join Molly for either session or sign up for both. The cost of shared cabs with other participants and lunch is included in the workshop ticket for the second part of the day. I'll share the sign-up link in today's show notes for episode 563 at slowflowerspodcast.com. 
Our next thank you goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Our final thanks goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at Longfield Gardens. That's longfield-gardens.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor, downloaded more than 861,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com and consider making a donation to sustain Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at slowflowerspodcast.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brinlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. I'll see you then. Thank you.